we're starting or continuing after last week's sermon, our series about deeper. We're going to be doing a series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit as found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so, well, I'm going to have to read it off here now. Uh, So let me just read the passage, which is going to be the the anchor for the entire series. So this is 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 10. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one there is given through the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another the faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. And as you might have guessed, because it's highlighted in orange, today we're starting with the gift of faith. And actually that's quite appropriate, because the gift of faith is something that we need in order to be able to use all of the other gifts. So when Richard came with his prophecy, when Sally came with her tongue, when Keith came with the interpretation, they were all using the gift of faith. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, it says, let those who prophesy, prophesy according to their faith. So that's, that's, the, that's where we... So let me give you a, a quick overview of where we... No, quick overview of where we're going... I'm going to start off with the what, the how, and the why of faith. And that's about faith in general. We're going to then talk about how the, what the difference is between the general faith that we all have and the gift of faith, which is for a particular situation or a particular circumstance. And then we're going to have lots of stories. The reason why we're having stories is, as Sam reminded us in the prayer meeting, that the, test, the, the Spirit of Jesus is the, test, the testimony of Jesus is the Spirit of prophecy. I always get that the wrong way around. Uh, right? and, and so, as we hear stories, so faith arises in us. So the, so the point of these stories is not to intimidate you by how faithful other people are, it's not to not so that you can say, oh, wow, and do a bit of spiritual tourism. It's so that you can say, if God can do that for this person, maybe he can do something for me. So as you listen to those stories, um, then, then let faith rise up inside you that God's working in your life as well. Now, some of those stories are going to be from the Bible. Some of those stories are from my life. And some of those are from other people's lives. Now, the reason why I'm talking about stories from my own life is that I'm the only one who knows from the inside what it feels like. And that's what I'm going to try to communicate to you. It's not because I'm special or anything else. It's simply because I'm the only one who feels like what it is to be me. Just as the same way as you are the only one who feels like it is to be you. Ah, how nice. So let's start with the what, the how, and the why of faith. So that means I need to do that as well. Oh, it's come up on the back. It's great. What is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. We have all, this morning, been using faith. Because we, if we have not been using faith, 
we have been praising and singing to the ceiling. But we have been using faith because we are believing that a God who we cannot see is present in this room and is present in our hearts. And we are convinced of that and we are assured of that. We are all using faith. So that is what faith is. And faith in all of its manifestations is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now, you can have faith in God. You can also have faith in lots of other things as well. You're actually exercising faith in the chair underneath you, that it doesn't collapse, because there are some atoms and some inter-particle forces that are sustaining that chair so that you don't fall through the floor, which is quite useful. Okay, so that is the what of faith. What is the how of faith? How do we get faith? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of Christ. That's Romans 10, verse 17. And the, the, the word, word in that section is the word rhema, which is the spoken or present or now word of God, as opposed to logos, which is the written word of God in the Bible. So it's about faith coming, and it's coming now. It also... It comes through communication, and communication is part of relationship. Faith comes out of our relationship with God. Yeah. That it's, it's not about a static thing. It's not about getting head knowledge. It's not about principles or theories. It's about relationship. And why do we need faith? Why bother in the first place? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Or if you want to get rid of the double negative, the only way to please God is with faith. And I think we might all want to please God, so faith is quite important on that. Now, there's many misunderstandings of faith, um, and there's even sort of schools of the, of the church which sort of teach that you, as a mechanical or... Um, or an experimental way of operating in faith, which somehow is divorced from relationship. And I want to kind of knock that, because sometimes when we talk about faith, there's a lot of the name it and claim it type, type of thing. And the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to read some, some, uh, uh, some funny stories. So this is humor can often get to the point. Now, for those of you who were around in the 80s, this book will have, it came with a, on a storm. And for those of you who are younger than that, you're thinking, what on earth is this? This is the, the sacred diary of Adrian Plass. So this is about sort of talking about some of the stupid things that we do as Christians, but using the vehicle of humour. So it's written in the form of a diary, and I've got some extracts from that. Monday, January the 6th. Bought a really good book about faith this time. It's called Goodness Gracious. In God's name, what on earth are we doing for heaven's sake? A very witty title, I feel. It's all about how Christians should be able to move mountains by faith if they're really tuned into God. Very inspiring. Waited till there was no one around and then practiced with a paperclip. Put it on my desk 
tried staring at it, willing it to move. Nothing. Tried commanding it in a loud voice. Just then, Gerald, which is his son, came in and said, What's all the shouting about, Dad? I could hardly tell him I was shouting orders at a paperclip. Said I was practicing voice projection. He said, What for? I said, I don't know. Felt really stupid. Tuesday, January the 7th. Had another go with a paperclip tonight. Really took authority over it. Couldn't get it to budge. So this is where I have to find my bit. Okay, yes. Wednesday, January the 8th. Told Anne, that's his wife, told Anne that I'd heard about a man who tried to move a paperclip by faith and couldn't do it. She yawned and said, well, you always get your lunatic fringe, don't you? Thursday, January the 9th. Good prayer and worship time after that. Forgot about the whole paperclip business for almost an hour. Quite distracted by thinking about Jesus. Saturday, January the 11th. Got up early today to have a last go at that blasted paperclip. Ended up hissing viciously at it, trying not to wake everybody up. (laughs) Scott Scarlett laughing. When I gave up and opened the door, I found Anne and Gerald listening outside (laughs) in their night clothes and looking very anxious. Anne said, darling... Why did you tell that paperclip you'd straighten it out if it didn't soon get its act together? Explained with as much dignity as I could muster that I'd been conducting an experiment of faith and got a bit carried away when it didn't work. Anne said, but sweetheart, being a Christian isn't like joining the magic circle. Why would God want you to make a paperclip move by faith? And Gerald wiped his eyes and said, Dad, I think you're wonderful. I wouldn't swap you for anything. (laughs) So that's not how we go about moving by faith. Because what was was absent there? God was absent. It wasn't, nothing came through uh, hearing and hearing by the word of God, he just decided he was going to try something that was a little bit like either a scientific experiment or, as his wife said, something out of the magic circle. And that's not how we work by faith. We work by faith by God telling us what he wants to do, something rising up inside us, and then we step out and we do that. So it's all about relationship. Okay, so there's, there's two different sorts of faith in the Bible, or perhaps there's a spectrum and these are at either end. But let's, for simplicity, just imagine that there's two sorts. There's general faith and there's the gift of faith. General faith, or theologians sometimes call it saving faith, 
It's the faith we all need all of the time in our relationship with God. It's the faith that, that meant that we could worship him this morning. It's the faith that we have when we first come to him and give our lives to him. And it's our faith that when we read the Bible, he's going to speak to us. When we, uh, when we do things, uh, all the things that we do, he is there in the middle of it uh, with faith. So this is general faith for all the time for all Christians. And then there's the gift of faith, which is given to us for a particular occasion or for a particular task. So I thought it would be helpful to think about analogies to this. And I've got two analogies. First, we have the Bible, which is God's Word. It is God's Word for all time, for all people, for all situations. But God's Word won't in and of itself tell you what you should be doing in a particular situation. Now, sometimes God can speak through his word to you, but actually we need a prophetic word or a relationship word or a now word in order to be able to do what we need to do. So um, when Richard came out to speak with with, with the, the word he brought... It wasn't because he'd been reading the Bible, and the Bible says, says that, that uh, we should all, uh, when we come together, uh, bring words of prophecy, although it does. He came because God had spoken to him, and he had some faith that he wanted, he, there was something God was saying here and now that was, that was uh, for us. The second one is there's tongues. So I believe... And this church believes that the gift of tongues is available for all believers at any time. So I can go, just like that. But Sally came with a gift of a tongue, which was a tongue for a special occasion for today, for spaying a specific message. Keith came with the interpretation, and we were all blessed. That's the difference between general tongues and the gift of tongues. It's the same with the general faith or saving faith and the gift of faith. So let's go back to those verses I mentioned. Are they talking about general faith or are they talking about the gift of faith? Because we need to make sure everything we have is in context. Well, in Romans 10:17, if you read the whole passage, and maybe you can do that later if you want to, It's talking about the unreached hearing the gospel through preaching. So that's really about saving faith, although it is in particular situations, the the particular message at that particular time. And Hebrews 11.6 is talking about general faith, because that verse continues by saying, whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So perhaps I'm cheating by using those verses for the gift of faith. Maybe I'm cheating. But the rest of Hebrews 11, that has lots and lots of stories about the gift of faith in operation through the Old Testament. So there's there's various people, but let's think about Noah. Noah had a gift of faith because God spoke to him. He got faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God to go and to build an enormous boat. This is not general faith. Otherwise, we would all be out there building boats 
all the time and there would be no trees left and people would think we were even more crackers than they think already. Right? That was a gift of faith for a particular occasion because God was going to send a flood. And similarly, we have Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Rahab, all of these, these heroes. And if you want to, to follow this up in your MCOM this week, you could do a Bible study about each of those heroes of faith and to examine about um, whether it was a gift, a general faith or the gift of faith and how they came. So there's lots of Old Testament passages you could read and you could read about how they all, um, in some cases it's clearer than others, how they heard the voice of God and that's what inspired them to faith. So let's recap then. What, how, and why? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now we're going to start with some stories. And Ian... Ian is going to tell, tell us about the most expensive breakfast he ever had. Breakfast in the autumn of 2006. And it stuck, stuck in my mind. I know you, some of you are very young then. It stuck in my mind because it was the most expensive breakfast that I'd ever had. Now, the context was um, three elders were meeting. So myself, Alan, and Andrew were elders of the church at the time. We had been meeting in Durham Sixth Form Centre for many, many years, and the church had grown during that period, and we had to have two meetings to accommodate all the growth of people coming in. Those of you around remember the um, trailer we used to have to haul in with all our PA kit, unloading the trailers and that stuff. It was a real pain, and we had looked for many, many years in many different places, for a place to call home. And we've been searching for different places all, all over the city, really. Um, and then one day, we discovered this building, which was a chemical factory, which was a concrete floor. Uh, there were a few offices and the toilets through there, and just corrugated um, steel walls. And we thought, we were interested. We could see what that could become. Trouble is, there was someone else also interested in this building. And we got to a, a stage where we got clearances from banks and we'd started discussing things with planners, which is another story. Um, but there was, another, there was competition for this building and the sellers were saying, well, if you, if you give us a non-returnable deposit that will guarantee the building for yourselves. So over breakfast, that's what we were discussing. Could we give a non-returnable, the keys in there, non-returnable deposit to put down to, to get this building for Emmanuel Church? And as elders, as we discuss this, Faith and the gift of faith was very present because we actually felt God speaking to us and saying, rather than ask the church for that non-returnable deposit to purchase this building, 
perhaps you should do it personally. And the elders themselves to put in this non-returnable deposit from our own finances. And we did. That following Sunday, we took up an, a closed offering where just the, the three of us put our offerings in, and we've never disclosed what that amount was, to, as a non-returnable deposit upon this building. And we now see what God has done in these years. That gift of faith came in the moment, just at the right time, to put that money, put that money down to achieve this building. We then had to go home and tell our wives. <laughs> uh, actually, let's just pause. I want to honour the three of them for that step of faith and that great personal cost and because God has honoured that. But did you notice as Ian was talking, as they felt God speaking to them and that's what caused faith to rise in their hearts? That was a specific gift. He's not asking them to do that every breakfast. <laughs> So remember, as we're talking about these gifts of faith, just think about what, what God might be calling you or whispering to you and let faith rise up for your particular circumstance. It might cost you a lot. <laughs> so here's the story of Mary in Luke chapter 1. Again, it's a longish passage, so I think we all know this because it's, we hear it read every Christmas. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, basically, you're going to have a baby, and the baby's going to be Jesus, and he's going to be the Son of God and save the world. And Mary's a little bit put out and a little bit confused, um, and she says, how will this be? And the angel Gabriel says, as a sign to you, your cousin Elizabeth is already expecting a baby, she was considered barren, that she would never be able to have children, and she's also too old now to have children. And, and so this was a sign to Mary, and Mary's response was, let it be according to your word. Sometimes God helps us uh, to get that faith by giving us a sign. And that's exactly what happened here. Because it was going to be quite t tough for Mary. Um, you can just imagine what all the neighbours would be saying. Even Joseph, her betrothed husband, was going to quietly divorce her because he thought it was somebody else until God told him not, not to in a dream. And she needed something to hang on to in that difficulty, in those difficult circumstances, so that she would know that it really was. It was not just a memory of, did, I, did Gabriel really come? It was actually a sign. And that was Elizabeth. She had already <coughs> was having a child. So Mary goes and stays with Elizabeth for a number of months. And, and that's a, a daily reminder for her that this really is God at work. So I want to tell you one of my stories, which is a little bit, it's a sort of analogous, slightly different. Um, 
And this was not long after Chris and I were married. We moved to the States. We moved to America. She had a job. I didn't at that point have a job. And we had basically sold everything we could sell to go there. And because it's very expensive setting up in a new country, and those of you who have moved from other countries will know that, uh, most of our money had disappeared just in the whole setup costs within the first month. And a month after we were we were due, we, we'd arrived, we were due to be moving into an empty apartment, an unfurnished apartment. And we had no money for furniture. We did decide that we would buy a bed and we would buy it on a credit card simply because we needed somewhere to sleep. But at that point, it would look like it was going to be a bed in an empty apartment. But we decided to buy that on the credit card, but we decided that actually any way we could save money was was best. And we had been to a a house group at the church a couple of times, and we'd actually been invited for Christmas Day by one family. And the man in this family had a pickup truck. He's called Ron. And, um, And he took, we said, can you come and pick up our bed from the shop so that we don't have to pay delivery? And he said, yes, he would. And the night before um, uh, we were about to move, or the night before Ron was going to help us pick up this bed, uh, we did the finances. And we realized that things were actually much tougher than we, th- we thought they were going to be. And that was actually my lowest point. And if you'd have given me a plane ticket to come back home, I would have done, that, done so at that moment. And I couldn't sleep, and I was walking up and down and praying. And at some point during the night, and I can't tell you exactly what or how it happened, because I don't remember, but I can tell you that God very, very clearly said to me, tomorrow, when Ron picks up that bed with you, he is going to lend you furniture for your flat, and that is going to be a sign for you that I am going to give you a job in this country. Very, very specific and very, very clear that Ron was going to lend us furniture and that was going to be the sign that I was going to get a job. So the next day, um, Ron and I go off to the shop and he's sort of talking about, oh, well, you know, there's the Salvation Army. They have cheap furniture. It's what you know, you can do all of these. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But actually, we don't have any money at all. Um, And... Um, actually, as I think God's saying something. Then he came, he, we, we delivered the bed, we set it all up, and he's just about to leave when he sort of looks a bit shifty and a bit embarrassed. And he says, well, um, um, well, last night, I felt like we were talking, and, well, we've got some old furniture in our basement, and so's my mother, and so's her mother, and, well, if it would, it seems very rude, but would you like to borrow some? And between him and his wife, between her mother and his mother, they furnished our entire apartment with with, with spare furniture. But that meant that in the year and a half it took before I got that job, every time I sat on a chair, every time I opened a drawer... Every time I put something on the table, I had a sign that God was going to give me a job. All right? 
it was not just the miracle of being provided with the furniture, but God had spoken and clearly linked the two. So just like with, with the angel Gabriel coming to Mary, he had clearly linked that, that she was going to have a baby and it was going to be Jesus and that Elizabeth had, uh, was also having a baby who was going to be John the Baptist. Who was, we, we know the rest of the story. But God can speak with faith by, by giving us a sign. And the signs are good things. Now this is um, an example that I wasn't going to put in, but I felt that God spoke to me during this week that I should put, put in. So I'm now actually operating in a gift of faith because I believe that there's somebody here who is going to relate to what I'm, the stories we're going to tell now and who has been too scared to talk about it because they think it's weird. Okay? So, and I believe, and so if you want to talk about that, I'm happy to talk about it at the end. So, we all know the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Their, their whole world has collapsed around them. Jesus has, who as they were hoping, would be the, the saviour and the releaser of, you know, bringing the kingdom of of God to, to come, and he's died, everything's collapsed. And so they, they, did, they go for a walk, they walk to this village about seven miles away. And as they walk, Jesus drawn, drew near to them and went with them. And then he starts to talk to them about all the things that, that, that uh, showed from the Old Testament that the, the Messiah must suffer, must die, and that will be raised again, and there was hope that that was the way the kingdom was coming. And then they go, they go in and, um, and break bread and they suddenly realize it's Jesus. And they say, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road when they opened up the scriptures? So there can be times when God, well, in this case it was Jesus himself, but there are other stories when God sends probably angels but unknown people to us to encourage us um, when we most need it. And I'd like to read to you, this is from Phil Wilfew's book on developing prophetic culture. This is Phil's story. He says, At the age of 18, I was preparing to leave home for my first time and embark on a year-long internship at a church in the USA. While I was excited about the adventure... I was also more than a little apprehensive. I was young, pretty green behind the ears, and had only just learnt to wash my own socks. In fact, that last line may not even be true. Two months prior to leaving, I signed up to do a week-long evangelism uh, team in Newcastle, uh, where I'd later move. Throughout the week, I could not stop thinking about the change that my life was about to take. America? I'm moving to America. What am I doing? To say I was feeling daunted would be an understatement. But one morning in that week stands out still for me because a heavenly experience changed my perspective completely and released the power of prophetic encouragement into my life. It was a 20-minute walk to the church building from the house where I was staying. And as I stepped out that morning... A girl standing across the other side of the street greeted me, arms waving above her head. 
She looked like a typical English student of a similar age to me, but I didn't recognize her. She called out my name and said, are you going to the church? I'll walk with you. Thinking she must be a team member I'd not yet met, I agreed. And we began the short journey together. So what's about to happen in your life, she asked me straight away. I began to tell her about my imminent move abroad and all the things I would be involved in. As soon as I finished, quite surprisingly, she began a non-stop, 15-minute barrage of encouragement that left me feeling 10 feet tall by the time she'd finished. She spoke into every area that I was anxious about and poured truth into it. It was as if she knew exactly how I was feeling in my heart and exactly what I needed to hear. My fears began to evaporate under the power of her words. As we approached the church building, she suddenly stopped and said to me, have to be going now, I'm sure I'll see you later. Saying our goodbyes, she went one way and I went the other. It was the last time I would see her. She never reappeared and no one in the church knew who she was or anyone who matched her description. I can only assume she was an angel sent by the Lord to encourage me precisely in the moment. God knows all about our circumstances and he can give us divine encounters, angelic encounters. That's Phil's story. I want to tell you about Becky's story. So this is from the time when I was first a student in Durham, 41 years ago. There was a little bit of a move of God in the, in the college where I was, in Cuths, for those of you who are students. Um, and there was, there was a, it involves two people. So there's one person who was in the room straight below me who was called Keith. Not our Keith, different Keith. And, and somebody who was in the room next to me who was called Becky. Now, Keith was a Christian and, in fact, came to Emmanuel and many people will, not, will have known him. And Becky was not yet a Christian but was clearly, uh, clearly interested and Keith had been speaking about, about God to her. And one night, Becky woke up and she saw... Keith kneeling at the foot of her bed praying for her so she said something in the morning and Keith said that wasn't me and his roommate said no he didn't leave the room all night that was an angel sent to encourage Becky who became a Christian not very much longer after that God can send angels to us in the form of people who we recognize or people who we don't recognize into our lives to bring us the encouragement we need at just the right moment. Now, as I said, I felt that God specifically told me to t- tell both of those stories because there's somebody here, I believe, who's had experiences like that, but is feeling it's a bit too weird to talk about it. I'm happy to talk about it. Oops. <clears throat> okay, so next story gift of faith, Paul's dream. In Acts chapter 16, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, 
immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So the wider context of this passage, they were seeking on their missionary journey. They'd been prevented to go into a couple of places and they were seeking God. And the dream came, and the dream came with, this is where you should go. And now faith arose, and they came, and actually that's the first time the gospel was preached in Europe. God can speak to us with specifics that, that encourage us to do things that we didn't yet know that he wanted us to do. So my story for that one is um, from, again, several of you will know this story. Uh, seven years ago, Chris and I were, were in Japan for a year. We were planning to go just there with work. Uh, and a year before that, that happened, um, we were at a conference in South Africa, a, a Regions Beyond conference. And at the very start of that, um, oh, sorry, I should say, we, we were, because we were in Regions Beyond, we believed that there must be somebody going to plant a church who we were supposed to be working with. And our mission on that conference was to actually find those people, because we'd been looking and we couldn't find them. At the very start of the conference... God said, spoke to me, and it turns out he'd already spoken to Chris, saying, it's you who's got to be planting that church. And so we, we went forward, we had prophetic words, and one of them was this guy who had clearly got the word pioneer, because his word was, you're pioneers, and you call to pioneer, and you're going to pioneer in pioneering at making pioneers. Um, <clears throat> that was more or less the word. And... In that, over that conference, there was faith arose in us, though it was completely ridiculous and completely silly and not logical at all that God was going to use us to, 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 to bring some people together to start a church. And so then faith had risen. Now, the week, Sunday before we left, we had an international Sunday, and I was preaching and I, I was told, just tell them what you're going to be doing in Japan. So I was like, okay, this is out there. I'm saying, saying, I told the whole story. And just before I got up, I just had this little whisper in my ear. What if it doesn't happen? You're going to look really stupid. But there was just something in me said, no. God's spoken to me. It's going to happen. I don't know how. Can't tell you how. Faith is the assurance of things not seen. I could not see how it was going to happen. But I knew God had spoken to me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, so what, what, what are different ways that faith can come to us? Well, it can come through words of the Bible, leaping off the page. That's quite a common, like when we're just reading and suddenly something stands out or we see something that he's not already seen before. We could receive a prophecy from somebody else, like I received, or Chris and I received this prophecy about your pioneers, go and pioneer. God speaks to us or gives us a vision or a picture, just like when... I had the, we're going to get the furniture and that's the sign for the job. We just have a spontaneous knowing that God has spoken. We can't really explain it, 
but it's there. Or it could be that God sends us angels. This is the way that faith comes. And the result is the conviction of things we don't see. Actually, I had missed a slide there, so let's come back. No. Oh, well, seems to be not. So we're now going to have an opportunity for encounter so that we can go deeper. So, Tina, could you come? And I would also like Sam and Scarlett, can you come and join me on the stage, please? On Friday at our elders' meeting, Sam and Scarlett separately talked about what God is doing in their lives. Up, up, up. Um, and they are operating in the gift of faith. Both of them, God has spoken to them really clearly. And they are going out. And they're going out on a limb for it. Both of them, they're living by faith. But they're also acting by faith. Right? So what I would like now is... Can you start? I would like everybody... Everybody who is... Uh, I want everybody who is 30 or under to come out to the front, please. Right? Because men, when I was preparing this, when I was preparing this, most of my stories, and I could give you many more stories about the gift of faith, they were things that happened to me when I was under 30. And they're things that have shaped my life. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, in a moment, I'm going to ask Sam and Scarlett to actually pray for the gift of faith to be in operation among all of these people. And then I want all of the rest of you who, if my maths is right, you're all 31 or older. I want you all to come, I want people to come and to pray for every one of those because I want the new generation that we have coming. This church was built on gifts of faith by people who are now over 30. This church was actually started 41 years ago, or 42 years ago, something. Um, and, uh, and so actually, and there's been stories of faith all the way along. But what I want to see is I want to see this generation moving in gifts of faith to go beyond where my generation has gone to. And so what I would like is, I want everybody who, if you feel that you have faith in your heart to pray for one of these people, come, I want everybody to have somebody. And then what, what we're going to have is, here's a microphone, and it's even turned, not, even, not turned on yet. Let's turn it on. So I'm going to ask these two to pray over you that God would release the gift of faith and and, I, and and then, come on, folks, can we move? <laughs>